Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Anna Pearson, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing whether Britain really is the best country in the world. And this week, because of the new lockdown, unusually we're recording this remotely. Nick, best country in the world, Great Britain, right? This is called great for a reason. I've got two data points. Yeah. The first one is from is from last month, where yeah. our consul general to Chongqing in China, Stephen right. Ellison, uh, was walking by a river in a in a in a village near where he works, and a woman, a twenty four year old woman, slipped on rocks into the water, and he alone among the crowd dived in and rescued her. Oh, it makes you proud. So there's one. There's one data point. The other British data point. Luck. Exactly. The other data point is the fact that we were, I, I, I don't want to say the first, because I don't think it's totally true, but the, the first country to roll out a, co- a proven COVID vaccine. And and in support of my my claim, uh, I want to cite um, Aleph Insights' favourite politician, Gavin Williamson. We've mentioned him on We've yeah, we've mentioned him on several podcasts. Yeah. Not, it has to be said, always in an entirely positive light. <laughs> He's currently described as an education secretary. And uh he said, I just reckon we've got the very best people in this country, and we've obviously got the best medical regulator, much better than the French have, much better than the Belgians have, much better than the Americans have. That doesn't surprise me at all, because because we're a much better country than every single one of them. Um, so I think that settles it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. End of podcast. Uh, Roll rule Britannia. The interesting thing uh, from my point of view is that I, I couldn't uh, actually more so, I think. The, I mean, the COVID vaccine really is an international effort. But for some reason, I felt more pride in uh, Stephen Ellison, the consul general, rescuing someone than I did um, in the COVID vaccine. But even then, I did find myself thinking, why? I have had nothing whatsoever to do with either of these things right what on earth right have i got to feel anything resembling pride um and um and and in general you know we this idea of people feeling proud for things that their country does or their football team or their company you know what's that all about it's strange when you think about it what what right have we got to feel it is it a positive thing feeling pride in a group that you consider yourself part of uh you know or is it is it in fact something negative we should be trying to uh, eliminate? Mm. Yeah, it's as you say. Why why feel pride in in someone else's achievements? And it's I guess it's to do with you you know the person who's feeling that is some kind of shared feels some sense of commonality with that and um, shared values or shared something. But it's I, I sometimes notice when I'm speaking. I'm not really a big football person, but when I'm speaking to people friends who talking about their football type teams and they talk about yeah we did this and we beat them and 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 i always think that's a bit odd because you just sat on a sofa yeah exactly yeah yeah so i guess one of the so i guess what we're talking about here well you you did sum it up i'm probably repeating but is sort of uh perception of achievements and sort of shared achievements is there such a thing or shared pride or, or why yeah i don't know i think anna let's go to you sure i think from the examples that nick gave i think it can be sometimes intuitive right if the the gentleman that's the the gentleman that's uh saved the the daughter um and you know uh potentially risked his own life in doing that i think a lot of people probably wouldn't or couldn't do it do the same thing um 
they might be too afraid to challenge themselves or to um you know don't have the talent to 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 achieve something um and uh so that's sort of on the personal level but um i think perceptions of achievements in the past have been sort of shaped by society and these can change over time so uh, son to uh the who wrote the art of war um looked at achievements as a collective as opposed to how the self defines achievements and uh that's through the uh, the perspective of a leadership and um through a general so um yes i i think um that's yeah that's my perception of achievements <laughs> i mean that that seems to argue sort of for a sort of a shared sense of pride right um i do want to come to peter but i actually want to go to nick first because I mean, I don't know if you've thought about w- what is pride. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so the I think we can drill out from there. So, if we start with what, what does it mean to be proud of yourself first? It's it's a sort of part of a family of emotions that are self oriented. Not all emotions are self oriented. You can just feel happy, um, you know, or scared without necessarily evaluating something to do with yourself. Um, but pride is about some evaluation you've made of your own actions. And your own achievements. You've you've looked at what you've done and you've patted yourself on the back and said, well done, you. Uh, that was a cool thing to have achieved. Um, and and um, pride obviously has physiological, is associated with certain sort of physiological and behavioral um, uh, features like, I mean, some people who, if you think, imagine imagine what a proud person looks like. Their, their chin is out, uh, their arms are relaxed, um, their chest is out. Those are things associated with with pride, and and they're all also associated with sort of displays of status. So you know, you're they're kind of displays of, in a sense, vulnerability. You're showing that you you know you're exposing yourself by saying, "I'm I'm a high status person. I've got nothing to fear from people." Um, so physical expressions of pride are are very similar. Have an overlap with physical expressions of high status, which might give you an insight into what pride is about. It's about you know having a sense that through your own actions you have. Um, you know, you've you've glorified yourself in some sense mm, and gained mm. status as a result. Um, so uh, moving out from there, apply that to a group. Uh, I mean, let's say a group endeavor, which is the most obvious thing. Like you're on a football team and through the your work and the work of your colleagues, you win. Um you're you're part of a group of people who've worked towards a great medical breakthrough and you accomplish it. I think that's a very straightforward extension, isn't it? That you you feel that you have actually helped contribute towards this outcome. <clears throat> Again, pat yourself and your group on the back. Well done. The puzzle, the thing that I think we're trying to work out is where how this how this emotion arises when you yourself have had demonstrably nothing whatsoever to do with it. Like my contribution to the COVID vaccine. Yeah, which I mean, non-existent, negative if anything. Yeah, You're draining resources from the national coffers, but isn't isn't this simple? Because isn't it a question of? I mean, you you talked there about status. Everyone wants status, right? That's the first thing. But secondly, is a is a thing about um, gradations, right? So the you know if you're the a scientist who's at the heart of discovering this vaccine, formulating etc., I'm sure you feel very very proud of the team that's with you equally, and then you're um and as as we sort of go out in concentric circles until suddenly we're just happen to live in the same country 
um, but we still grasp onto that because we want a bit of status. It, I mean, isn't isn't it as simple as that, uh, Peter? Um, I don't think it's quite as simple as that. I think mm. I think it's sort of it is not not the sort of conscious wanting status. I think it's. Uh, I, I I wonder. I mean, you, I wonder to what degree you'd, you'd feel pride if you found those bunch of scientists and in a different country and they discovered the vaccine and everything else i think you still feel you still feel proud you, there'd be you'd be pride in the human race but it wouldn't be any less than it kind of is for these british scientists that that, that did the work um i, I the the it's sort of i think it's a i think it's more the clan that you're feeling proud pride pride for is that you're associating yourself with certainly in Nick's case with the sort of scientific community he thinks he's sort of feels like he's part of that and it's part of his club but I think but I, I just just to back it up a bit I think the, the, the I think there's a very neat and intuitive kind of explanation for pride generally the sort of hierarchy of pride from individual pride all the way through to very distant proxy pride in evolution and uh, social evolution I think the, the pride in oneself um, is a is a partly signaling thing as Nick has sort of mentioned, but it it, it is a, a driver. So wanting to achieve things gives you that status amongst your peers, gives you that status amongst your group, um, and uh, it's, it motivates you to do other things, to do new things. So feeling proud about yourself, may, having done something risky or dangerous or difficult, um, makes you want to do more of those things. So you so you personally. Um, uh, 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 benefit and your your family and your group will benefit price towards people within your immediate group i think that's to do with social cohesion so that's sort of if you if somebody's done something good in your group then you'll um it's a that's a good sign that they're an effective productive member of your group so having a reason having a driver in an internal driver to make you want to sort of go and groom them and sort of be friends with them will ultimately be good for you because they're likely to do good things again and I think it's really just an extension of that. I think it's it's that you you that you feel a sense of uh, compulsion to uh, towards people that you've maybe never met, partly because you know your your higher brain knows that you've never met them, but your reptilian brain doesn't. Um, towards people who are who are having a, a, a sort of in, in, even an indirect benefit towards you. Okay. Well, I mean, I Peter's mean, Peter's put a quite a positive spin on <clears throat> pride. There, um, it's worth saying before we even get onto some of the negative expressions of group pride, that the idea of pride being good is certainly not a kind of an uncontroversial claim. I mean, go back to Aristotle. He thought pride was fine as long as it was kind of deserved. You know, it's almost like a reward for being virtuous. I think he described it as the the crown of the virtues in the sense that, you know, if you had lived uh, or if you were living a virtuous life, then um, then obviously you should feel proud because it's not easy to do that. So well done. It's like a kind of achievement that you get for having ticked all the other boxes. It's like a hundred percent achievement reward. Um, mm. But of course, uh, Christians famously have a massive downer on pride. Um, mm. Where where pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom, and Christians are all about humility. And, um, you know, that actually the, the opposite of pride, you should feel, you know, that no, no, no human should feel uh, worthy at all, really. We're all unworthy. We're all sinners, you know. Um, so uh, so it's it's a, it's controversial, the idea that pride is good. I mean, for the way that Peter's described it, 
it's a sort of you know reward of being a nice yeah. thing. I mean, I think the way the way I mean, the evolutionary explanation is pride is neither good nor bad. Um, evolution not- is morally, morally morally relative. I mean, it could be you could have if you were a member of Al Qaeda, you'd be quite proud that the 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 terrorists pulled off the bombing of of London or the the terrorist mm-hmm. attack on nine eleven. You'd feel very proud about that. But it's, but it's to do with your sort of goals and your your ideology um the, but, the, it, the, but, but if pride but itself it, is not mer- is not morally good or bad well like but the way that you've described it I'd, I'd say it's even it is definitely better than not feeling pride in the sense that let's take the world after the 9 attacks mm. um uh, you know the if if al-qaeda members are feeling proud as a result then that's just, you know, it's like a free benefit. That pride isn't being taken from someone else, if you see what I mean. Mm. Like like if group pride is just a thing you feel when your group is doing well and you think, oh, yeah, that's good, that's nice. It's like a completely free windfall benefit in terms of nice feeling. Um, so which which makes it which makes it harder to see if if that's the case, you know, it makes it harder to see why people would um would uh would have a downer on it. Okay. So look, I'm not sure if we've you know, we've covered anything particularly groundbreaking here. All, all we've kind of said is that it's that there are social reasons why we why we might desire pride. I think we've talked about the mechanisms of why we might feel pride in others' achievements. We've talked about the ethical side of it, potentially, and, and why we might feel it. I, I just don't feel we've got to the heart of anything here. Well, we could we could perhaps do what we never hardly ever do on the on the cognitive engineering podcast and link it back to what we say we always talk about, which is analysis and decision okay. making. Um, so, I mean, the 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 uh, uh, sort of pride is often linked to hubris, and that's kind of the major beef that Christianity has with pride is that pride sort of leads to um, you sort of. Caring more about yourself than God, really, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, what, what it really boils down to is you, you thinking that you, you're above your station and you might challenge your local baron. That's really what Christianity is worried about. Um, uh, so, the, the, so like, I think that directly translates to analysis. So, pride, you, I think, as an analyst. Sorry, I think, it's I think totally... you're wrong about the Christianity thing. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so you're, so you're, so being, being a good analyst, you know, achieving something in analysis, coming to a conclusion that comes you know, making a prediction that ends up being true. Right. I think there's, there's, you have good reason, biological and uh, sociological to be proud of yourself that that has happened. However, as an analyst, you should always be wary of, uh, of hubris. Because as we know that you know, you may predict that something be ninety five percent likely to happen. There's all that. There's all that five percent chance that it won't. So you know, as an analyst, you need to be aware. Uh, you know, you, you not need to. You need not put yourself too high on a pedestal if your if your um, your conclusion comes out true. Don't let it. Don't let it. Don't don't let it affect your priors too much about how much you should believe yourself. That's what I'm. What I'm getting. Yeah, at. I think that this is the. Yeah, that, that, I think we we perhaps edging into some of the harmful side effects of, of pride here. One of which is, um, or one aspect of it is the self serving bias, which is obviously very prevalent, and where you mistake luck for your own achievements. Mm-hmm. You know that people it's very common for people to think that the good things that happen to them are as a result of their own. Uh, virtue or skill and the bad things are just bad luck i mean it's so so utterly prevalent in in the way that people think about themselves um 
I think it is worth drawing a distinction. Peter mentioned hubris, but I think one of the other connected um, vices, if you like, is vanity. And 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 there is, a, I, I think there is a connection here, which is that, um, you know, going back to sort of Aristotle's idea of 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 the uh, of pride being a kind of crown, a, a sort of achievement you get when you've ticked all the other boxes, and it's a nice feeling, and we like it. Now, I think. It, the point, though, is that you mustn't pursue it like you're, you're not allowed to pursue it in itself. Mm. And I think that's that's where vanity comes in. Sort of vanity is, if you like, is the kind of pursuit of the rewards of achievement, the pursuit of the appearance of achievement um, and the feeling of pride without having done the things that you ought to do to get there. So it's almost like trying to shortcut. I think vanity is trying to shortcut the pride system and get the pride without putting in the legwork first and which which and you can see why people would have would would want to socially police against that kind of behavior because it's that that is about getting undeserved rewards you know but just by wearing nice shoes but you don't deserve those those shoes you know you haven't you haven't, you haven't done the you haven't put in the put in the legwork to earn those shoes yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing i think that's the idea Anna, anything to add? I was about to say that's a, a nice um, a summary of uh, a, a fable from the Fables of Aesop. Um, the, the vain glowworm that shines brightly at night um, and is flattered and admired for it, but uh, it, it, it decides to glow in the day, but no one actually notices him because he's, you know, he could he can't shine so brightly in the day. So, I, and it, the moral of that is, you know, you can't move up. Uh, into a different sort of, I don't know, level of society or admiration if you're not prepared for it and if you haven't earned it. And that's um, something that you touched yeah. on there. I feel a bit sorry for the glowworm because I feel like there's probably not much, <laughs> even if even if uh, they tried really hard to glow brightly during the day, they just wouldn't. It's almost, a, a, the story It has a dark side, which is that it could be about genetic determinism. You know, you simply, yeah, you're simply, I'm afraid, due to your birth, yeah. you'll never be able to achieve, you know, the same as a. Yeah, remain in your, yeah, you're only a glowworm, don't, don't have any ideas above your face. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, it's, you're good as a glowworm, but you're a very bad, you know, monkey. Well, I was going to say, I was surprised at that because I thought, Nick, as an economist, you were going to say well, it was a waste of resources or capacity or something, you know, outputting during the day. And I thought, Peter, you were going to mm. sort of talk about the engineering faults within that and design some sort of blockchain solution to this or something. Um, I've got a question later, um, but I've just got one other question. And I don't know if it's a silly one, but just thinking about, I wonder if we think about what the opposite of pride might be. It might be shame, for example. And I was, I was just, just curious if, if we can treat it in exactly the opposite way. Because, you know, we like to sort of feel shared pride. We've talked about that. But do we do we do we ever want shared shame? I don't think we I think there's something we try and avoid. Um, and also it's, you know, as much as we want to sort of cling on to any sort of, you know, we, we lust after pride. We don't lust after shame. Or, or do we? I don't know. Is interesting question or not? I don't know. Do we want to talk about shame? Shared shame? Because, sorry, actually, just thinking about, actually going right back to the beginning, thinking about um, Gavin Williamson and, you know, best country in the world. Talking of shame. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, we talk, you know, uh, if we look at Britain, it's colonial history. But, um, you know, there's lots, we, we don't really, really, really like to talk about that or to think about that too much. Well, we do, though, all the time, don't we? I mean, there's endless documentaries about the horrors of the, you know, the things that Britain did and and um, the 
you know, there's plenty of, of modern day Americans who are keen to talk about all the kind of evils of America's history and how it's founded on slavery and sin and all of that kind of thing. I think so. I think the idea of um, group shame is not in, certainly not incoherent. Mm. It's, it's very much a live thing um, today. So but I think I think you're right. I mean, because earlier I said that humility was the opposite of pride. And actually, I think um, humility is almost saying, um, you know, that you don't deserve to feel pride whereas shame is is almost saying the opposite you actually feel the opposite um you know you you should feel bad um mm. uh for for bad things that you or your group has accomplished i think i think i feel like it's very much the same thing like sh- like should you feel group shame is probably a similar thing about whether you whether you should feel group group pride i i mean i i suspect but i suspect there's probably very different people there's probably people who w- who would feel proud to be um you know, proud to be Americans, for example, but who wouldn't accept that they also should feel ashamed of things the US has done, for example. You'll probably find that kind of phenomena yeah, yeah. all over. Again, I think I think you're looking at a kind of expression of the self-serving bias in yeah. some ways. Um, but we haven't touched on, sorry, just get to group the idea of group. Yeah, let, group let's pride. round it off with this because then I've got a question. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think the problem, group pride has such a dark side. That's the problem. Don't, I mean, don't forget, in the 19th century, you know, Na- the, when na- nationalism first appeared it was a sort of seen as a fairly progressive force it was a kind of anti-imperialist thing it, it was progressive thinkers who said things like oh you know what the poles should have their own homeland and the you know the um the the uh the the you know we should start thinking about letting letting the sort of people who live in colonies have their own uh countries and those kinds of things i mean that was a progressive way of thinking but that's i mean ethno nationalism has has obviously created some of the biggest genocides and horrors at the same time um so I, so i think i you know i'm i'm not sure i mean i'm i'm i think we should always be really on our guard against against group pride and whether that expresses itself in the conflicts between teams of football supporters or between yeah. countries or empires you know it's it really it's led to some of the worst outcomes ever so it's got it's got some black marks against it group pride so we we yeah. do we do need to be on our guard against it and i think asking yourself you know do i really deserve to feel this is a, is a key part of that that yeah, um, kind of inoculation fil- process a philosophical question that's been rolling around in my head for the last i don't know 15 years or so i've never really got very far with it or uh, been able to the answer, answer is 42 um, by the but, way but anyway go ahead but the the the, uh, the um is it possible to be patriotic without being nationalistic um and the the only sort of the, the, the years of well not probably hours of deliberation across many years on this question has led me to think that well actually you can't you can't it doesn't make sense to be um, national to be patriotic without being nationalistic and if you are proud proud in your country without being kind of preferential towards your country you actually you're just a humanist you know you're just proud proud about being uh, proud in the human race it's sort of equal. the world is my country and all men are my brothers yeah um i don't know if uh, nick's got any thoughts on that particular question but i, I just it, it feels sort of contradictory to me to say i'm i, I, I i'm patriotic I, i'm proud to be british without saying basically britain is better than over well yeah. that's i think i'd say that's that's the, that's the key right is this is the fact that you know you can be good without necessarily caring about whether you're better than other people you know you can live to a high moral standard and and that that can be true whether or not you're better or worse you know than other mm. people and i i feel like that 
there's and this is connotative it's a sort of feeling but that that patriotism is about saying my country is good and nationalism is about my saying my country is better and deserves better and we ought to go out and try and achieve things as a country mm, yeah. Um, yeah. like invading those those scumbags on the other side of the border you know <laughs> But but I, I sorry, I just want to put in one lot, one defence. After having talked about the fact that it inevitably leads to genocide, and I want to tell you that it's actually may possibly. I mean, okay, here's a question: Are some cultures, i.e., some cultures of groups, better than other cultures? Just put that question: Is it? What do you anyone anyone think that could be true? Interesting. I think um, intuitively, I would say yes. Um, are the are Buddhists better than Nazis? I can see where this is going. You're leading me down a path I, I, here. Yes. What I am saying, is it better to have a culture where people queue up for things or a culture where people push and shove until they get to the front? Queuing's better. I think, right? it, I think it ultimately boils down to, like, what are you measuring? No, like, what well, is better? All right. All right. Let's say more conducive to human happiness to pick one fairly fundamental sort of measure in some sense. Now, I, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say some cultures are better than others at promoting that. So, you know, and if you're part of one of those cultures, which is objectively better at, at producing human happiness, have you got the right to, you know, to feel good about that and to say, well, you know, there's a culture over there where people are immiserated and, you know, spend their lives in fear. Isn't that worse? Isn't our culture better? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that that's true of any particular culture, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it's not impossible that that's true. It's, it was interesting. That sounds about right to me, but potentially massively controversial what you've just said. But it, it actually, Indeed. if you listen to it, you know, it, it doesn't sound that at all. Um, right. Before you No, you're right, Fraser. Maybe Buddhists are no better than Nazis. <laughs> They're just yeah. as good, just as bad as each yeah. other. Um, right. I've got a question I want to ask. Um, I was going to, I mean, any just before I do, Anna, anything to... Add? Uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the the discussion you mentioned about pride and shame. Yeah, shame. That's it. Um, because obviously, there's there's two sides to the coin, right? You can you can admire someone's achievements, but actually, behind that, that person's still quite flawed, or that group is still flawed, um, or there are aspects of it that you don't actually see or aren't really perceived. Um, so. Ellen DeGeneres, she is a very famous host and actress, mm. and she is always seen in the light of very, I don't know, get caring, giving, virtuous, um, but behind closed doors and what this massive backlash has has led to um, and her bad publicity in the press is that remind she us, is actually Remind us not... what it was all about, what the, bad, what the bad press was about. What was she up to? Yeah, so she... So, um, there was, I think, a whistleblower, uh, uh, an employee of hers had um, uh, had told some journalists that the working environment um, in her studio wasn't very good and that she wasn't very respectful of people. And it was the complete opposite, the polar opposite of what, how she perceives herself on, on television. And um, I think that's um, interesting because even if we're looking at admiring people or groups or uh, any kind of society, I guess, or, or culture, um, we always try to only look, I think, perception of the good things are, is always sort of at the forefront as opposed to uh, sort of the negative sides of things. And also, I, I, I guess also doing a double-double, which is from what you've said there, 
the hell is a double double? <laughs> you'll see, you'll see. Oh, no, it sounds like a thing from from a fast food restaurant. Because we were talking about what's the opposite of of, of, of pride. Maybe it's shame. Um, I think actually, yeah, our humility might be right there, Nick. I don't know. But then if we, but you were talking about there, we we tend to sort of only see, you know, within these heroes, we only see the good stuff. But what about the the good stuff in the bad stuff in the bad guys? That's the double double right there. Yeah. Now I'm not about to say that, you know, you know, hey, the Nazis did some good things. I didn't just say that, you know. But um, <laughs> but we did talk about that once about being heroic. Do you remember that? Um, about um, mm. what was the American? Well, John yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, and we were talking about you know, imagine a, a Nazi soldier, you know, who who does lots of wonderful heroic things, but that's well, they were they were such right, right, yeah. and that's great. Yeah, somehow still on the wrong side. I don't know where mm. we've gone all this, but do you know what? I think we got somewhere in the end. I do think we got somewhere. So I'm I'm, I'm pleased with what we've got there. I like that. I think the key thing is raising the questions. It's like that we take kind of national pride for granted, but let's ask those questions about whether we yeah. deserve it and what it means. I want to finish off with with the Quan question. We have overrun, but I want to finish off with a quick question. I don't know if it's a good one or not. Tell me. I want to ask, um, you know, about personal false pride. So when have you sort of taken pride in – can you think of a time in your life when you've taken – praised for something that or, or felt proud about something that was nothing to do with you um nick's nodding vigorously already um so hopefully anna and peter have got something lined up nick go for it i'm still ashamed of this but um i was on a work trip to india with my colleague alex and um we were uh in a uh, uh just having a chat at this sort of social event afterwards and there were some um you know some some other sort of indian uh indian uh, people there obviously because it was in india and uh, we were just chatting to them and um the uh, guy who was the uh, kind of the head of the organization we were going to visit was supposed to be supposed to be turning up but he'd um he'd been at his driver's birthday party mm-hmm. and so he was on his way and my colleague alex said uh, well, how is he getting here if his driver's having a birthday party? Which was, um, you know, I thought was quite funny, but no one heard him. So I so I then sort of repeated the question to the woman I was talking to, and she thought it was hilarious. And uh, she thought, I know it doesn't sound funny in the cold light of day, but she and she sort of said, oh, you're, you're so funny. And I just, I couldn't then say, well, actually, I was just repeating what Alex said. So I, there I was basking in the glory of this throwaway comment that nevertheless was received as though it's the funniest joke ever made um and i i yeah i still feel kind of she, was, she may have just been humoring you nick because you were you were her guest so nice uh peter or anna i don't think i've got any specific example but i've definitely as i've got older feel more humble um and certainly more kind of aware of my this sounds like humble thinking. bragging to me go on <laughs> Mm. Yeah, humble bragging. Yeah, definitely. you should really. Um, Peter's humility is first rate. I love I'm, that guy. Yeah, I'm humility. so humble. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I remember. I remember, you know, in my early twenties, definitely being a bit of an arrogant prick uh, about certain things, and that sort of mellowed. Christ, I think. you must have been the worst if you've mellowed since then. <laughs> uh, all, all these years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah, you should I stop there, Peter. Peter. I think. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, Anna. I think there was one time when I was a kid uh, that I, I got a Blue Peter badge. If anyone oh, yeah. remembers what oh, Blue yeah. Peter was, oh yeah, go on. Yeah. I want to know more. <laughs> and um, I think it was uh, so I was with my sister. My sister and I were were swimming mm. in a swimming pool, and uh, there was some currents. I think it was one of those sort of like you water saved parks. your sister. 
No, no, no. She saved oh. me, but I got the Blue Peter badge. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> she was for, for, I don't know, for surviving. I have no idea. But um, no, she got one in the end. But um, I did feel awful that, that, uh, that I, I received the Blue Peter nice. badge first. But, hey, yeah, no, I like that there, there you go. <laughs> have, you still got the, have you still got it? I, I do, yes. Was it an administrative error? I, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. They must have can, you, can, can you wear it to the next 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 office party? Wear your blue Peter badge <laughs> with pride. I'm trying to find it somewhere. Oh, I, I've got one, which <laughs> which is um, when I lived in Brazil, um, I thought I was a surfer. So um, I had a, a, a surfboard, which I which my name for it was Jesus. That was my surfboard. And the, the, I, basically, I looked bloody amazing walking around on the beach with my with Jesus the surfboard. yeah with Jesus the the surfboard. Okay, but unfortunately, I'm actually not very good at surfing, and so I would go out. I, I, I so all I could really do with this surfboard, apart from swim out a bit and fall over, was just walk around the beach with it. And so I did because it, you know it looked really cool. I took a lot of pride in it. But of course, pride becomes for, before a fall, literally in this case. So what happened? I remember this one day I was walking along with my with with Jesus under my arms, and I walked past these very beautiful um, girls, these three Brazilian girls, and I just looked at them, and they, you know, obviously checked me out with my surfboard, going, "Look at that cool surfer guy." And I just looked at them, and went, "Oi," which means like "Hi," okay. And the moment after I did it, I tripped over the leash, the lead, <laughs> and just went splat into the sand and just face full of it. And it, and the girls just, you know, just couldn't stop laughing at this stupid gringo, basically. So, um, yeah, there you go, kids. Pride comes before a fall. It sounds like the universe struck you down. Just Yeah, it time. did. Yeah. Jesus taught you a lesson. <laughs> Thank you. Nice one, Anna. Yeah. Okay, we'll stop there. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew, being here with Anna Pearson, Peter Coughlin, Nick Care of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye.